Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as the This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Go to AdamandEve.com right now and you'll get 50% off just about any item. All you have to do is enter the code word GLORY, G-L-O-R-Y, at checkout. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. From Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. This is episode number 583. And Cecil? Yeah. We got a guest in the glory hole, Me man. Too. I feel like it's been a long time it's since we've had anyone. It's, it's just been, been a while. you know what, Cecil? What it's just me and you at the glory hole. It I takes know. a whole element it of does. surprise there's out no of the surprise game. No surprise anymore. There's no surprise. <laughs> I, I don't want to say there's no magic. No, I wasn't going to say that. There's plenty of magic. I wasn't going to say that either. All right. You're right. Good. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. right. But we we are joined by Jeff Blackwell, Esquire. Esquire. You guys could just, <laughs> you may just know him as Esquire. I certainly do. From American Atheist. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome, guys. I I do have to say I've been listening to the show since, gosh, 2013. Oh, oh my wow. god! And and it has never made it big. I just want to point that out, and I wanted to lodge a complaint because have you been talking to my wife? Owed... Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> Sorry, I've always wanted to say that. I missed last time I was on. I I neglected to, so I had to get that in. Oh. <laughs> brutal, brutal. All right, well, that was Jeff Blackwell. Everybody, thank you. So much. <laughs> um, Jeff, we talked last week via chat, uh, and we were uh, excited to to learn that there was a new lawsuit. That was put in place in one of those. It is in Mississippi, uh, Southern states, I think Mississippi. I'm They're all sure the same. Yeah, well, they should just but, be called. Yeah, but I want to. I want to say, like, this is a this is a lawsuit that you, that American atheists has placed because they have some weird logo or something that you have to have on your car, some sort of weird thing. Mississippi requires uh, that if you own a car, uh, you have to generally either display the standard license plate, which bears the state seal and has bared the state seal since January 1st of 2019, or has borne, not bared, that's not a word. Um, it is not, the state seal. <laughs> that's right, we I just made it. it. There you go. Uh, since 2019. And starting in 2014, the state added in God We Trust to the state seal. So all of the, license, uh, the standard license plates in Mississippi have in God we trust on them. You can 
avoid displaying the In God We Trust message on your vehicle. If you pay an extra fee for a specialty plate, it's usually like $30 to $33. Some go as high as $55 in extra costs. Though at the same time, if you are the owner of an RV, a motorcycle, a trailer, or if you need handicap plates, you don't have the option to get a specialty plate. You have to display in God we trust on your vehicle, as well as if you have vanity plates, you know, if you pick your own letters uh, for your license plate, you have to use the in God we trust. Is there any, is there any way, what can we think of right now that you could put on your plate to be like, nah, I'm good or something you put on there that would all others pay cash. (laughs) (laughs) Another option, of course, and we don't want to neglect this. So another option, um, one of the most sensible would be to leave Mississippi. Right. So that would be like, you just not, (laughs) Because if you have a car, I'm trying to understand why you don't use it to leave <laughs> Mississippi. Leave. There, I, I, that's difficult for me. I guess maybe if it's not running. <laughs> that would make sense. For some, okay. that is an option, but not for everybody. Um, yeah. It takes a lot to uproot a family um, or to uproot yourself from where all your family and friends are. Even to look for jobs out of state can be uh, time consuming. And and I'm treating this like it was a serious suggestion when it wasn't. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, I like that you're treating it like it's serious because they, what, what that what that necessarily implies is yes, that is a sensible solution, Tom. (laughs) And we understand that that's inherently attractive, but it's also just logistically and financially challenging. Um, uh, You know, there have been, of course, countless lawsuits over in God we trust over the decades. Um, and, and none of them have really been successful all for various reasons. The two, the two biggest reasons being that the motto, uh, the national motto in and of itself doesn't require anyone to do anything. And because no one is required to do anything simply by the fact that the motto says what it says, no one has standing to challenge it on its face in court uh, because you have to show that you specifically have been harmed in some way. There are cases where the courts tangentially mention the motto as being permissible ceremonial deism. However, that's in the context of it being just the motto and no one's required to do anything. Uh, Mississippi has taken it that next step further and required people to display it on their personal property. That is black letter law, well-settled, compelled speech prohibited by the First Amendment. The Supreme Court said as much in a case from 1977 called Wolevia Maynard, um, which in itself is is an interesting case. New Hampshire uh, at that time and still does have live free or die on its license plates. And a Jehovah's Witness in in New Hampshire objected to the or die part of the state motto. And he started by p- placing tape over the or die part. And he was cited for defacing his huh. license plate and fined Wait, so, $25. So Wooly didn't want to be told what to do with his license plate. So this is a Wooly bully case. <laughs> When he said Wooly v. Maynard, I was like, that's a Muppet. That's a Muppet name. Wooly v. Maynard is 100% an elephant Muppet on Sesame 100%. We just wanted to interject. I, you do know what show you're on. But I just no, want anyway, you to. This, yeah. th- but this is the value that you bring, Tom. Your brain works in a way different from anyone else I've ever met. <laughs> Note, you listeners, he didn't say better. better. <laughs> 
<laughs> he didn't say better. He didn't say faster. No, 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 no. no just no. different. Different. It's yeah. different, Tom. Right. Different's okay. Mm-hmm. Mississippi's different. <laughs> okay, so the so, Wooly Bully case. So, so he put something on there, and he was, and he was, and he was being cited. Then what happened? Um, so he was cited for twenty five dollars, um, and I believe he paid that fine. He then took shears to his license plate and cut <laughs> the or die oh, shit. part awesome. out this. of you his know, plate. The thing is that, like, for somebody who doesn't want to live free or die, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he was cited again. Uh, the that went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, "No, you cannot force somebody to display the state's preferred message and make them be essentially a mobile billboard for the state's wow. message and use the state's course of power to do that." Um, and that's exactly what's happening in Mississippi. Either you display the state's standard license plate, or you pay more yeah, money tax, for right? the privilege of not being forced to uh, send the state's preferred message. It's uh, it's exactly on point, which is why we think this is a, a cut and dried case. And by the way, in Mississippi, as it was in New Hampshire, um, it you can be cited for uh, defacing your license plate, for obstructing any character. The statute says character and doesn't really go into detail of what that means. Um, any character on your license plate, you can be cited for defacing it. So wait a minute. What about like, so like oh. if I have like a North Carolinian license plate, it says like first in flight, you know, like, can yeah. I just say, fuck that. I don't want one that says first in flight. I don't give a shit about those white right brothers and get a new license plate. I mean, I know why you're going after this one, but so sure. many states have like their motto as like just standard practice. And yours, you're, it seems like the, 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 um, the content or the, the thrust of your argument is, Hey, you can't make me put anything on my plate, regardless of the the religiosity element. Um, it's it's a question of whether it's sending a substantive message. Okay. Um, I'm not I'm not aware of any challenges to the first in flight uh, thing. Um, <laughs> I was just uh, um, <laughs> my Uber driver today had a North Carolinian license plate, so it was just in my head. <laughs> okay, but so so it has to be a substantive challenge. It can't just be I can put like. Illinois, the prairie state, and I probably can't bitch about that. But you can it's bitch Land about Lincoln. Oh, is it Land of Lincoln? Land of Lincoln. I live here. You think I know it's on my Lincoln fucking license? <laughs> Um, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, you would you would have to make the case that it is a substantive message, and and perhaps you could. Um, I'll give you an example of one that has not carried water, um, held water, whatever. There was a uh, a license plate challenge involving a plate that had an image of a Native American um, pulling back a bow and just sort of preparing to fire it into the air. And um, someone objected to this for whatever reason, and the courts looked at it and said, look, this doesn't send any substantive message. It's just a picture that indicates what like you know the history of that state is i mean um, you could argue it's a thousand words at least though yes <laughs> it is silly yes. to suggest that images are not communicative though like that's like really you're right um and and you i i am sure that someone could make compelling arguments that certain images would be compelled speech if Let's say Mississippi wanted to throw Donald Trump's face on their license plate. I could see people 
objecting to sending the message that they support President Trump or if it was the other way around and Mississippi decided they wanted to throw Barack Obama's image on the plate, there might be people um, or, or Joe Biden. Um, there might be people who would um, object to sending the message that they support Joe Biden. You're saying that the people there, uh, they have to pay a fee. It sounds like this is sort of a cut and dry case. Why is it just because they control the Republicans control everything and the Christian right controls everything and they can basically do whatever they want until they get told what that they can't do it? Is that basically what you is that basically what you do? You just go around telling them not to because no one else would. Um, that is a fair amount of my job. Yes. <laughs> um, is telling people who think they can get away with violating the Constitution that no, in fact, you can't. And there are people in your community who have different views than you who are atheists or non-religious or just members of minority religions. Um, and in fact, they do have rights, even if you don't seem to care about them. And yeah, that's a fair amount of my job. So where will this be adjudicated? Will this be handled federally or in the state courts? Sure. We filed this uh, in in the federal court, the Southern District of Mississippi, Northern Division in Jackson, Mississippi. And we actually bring two claims. The first is that compelled speech claim that the, the state cannot force you uh, through coercive measures to send its preferred message. The second is a free exercise claim. Uh, and this is what relates to the other thing I'm here to discuss with you, and that's uh, Fulton v. City of Philadelphia. Yeah. But let me give you a little background first. In addition to Mississippi requiring either you display the standard tag or you pay extra, they do have a small subset of exceptions. If you are a veteran or a veteran sur surviving spouse, if you've received a Purple Heart, a Medal of Honor, if you are deaf if you are an employee of the sheriff's office in your county, if you are a member of elected government, then you can get at no extra cost a different plate that indicates that status. Um, it could be, you know, that you're hard of hearing or that you've received a purple heart, what have you. When the Supreme Court announced its decision in Fulton on Thursday, we found that it held open a door that had been opening um, over the last year or so that meant uh, and what the court said, and we'll get into more detail here in a bit, I'm sure. But what the court said in Fulton that helps us is that when the when the government has what would otherwise be a generally applicable law and they have a system of individualized exceptions, mm -hmm. they cannot uh, refuse to give a like exception to people who have religious justifications for seeking an exception. Mississippi has a system of exceptions to its requirement that you display the standard license plate or pay more money. Atheists have a atheists and, you know, atheistic Buddhists, um, uh, sure. others, uh, Humanist, members of yeah. minority yeah. religions who aren't Christian, because let's be clear and God we trust is an explicitly Christian Yes. Uh, motto. Right. Uh, it has been since 1861. If you have a religious exception, a religious objection to displaying in God we trust on your car, because the state has provided this system of exemptions for others, they are essentially going to be required to provide an exception for uh, those who object to displaying in God we trust for religious reasons. So that's a that's a great segue to talk 
a little bit about Fulton. Now, I read upwards of two entire New York Times articles about wow. it. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> I, well done. Then, I, I, well, I, I read two articles and listened to a daily on it. Oh. So I'm just saying like- I'm, Oh, all right. A little nice. flex there, I'm Cecil. just saying I'm ready to take the bar. A That's little flex, <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, I, I was just going to go ahead for our listeners and break this, this case down. But then we thought, oh, let's get an attorney on <laughs> So that was Cecil. So I just want to be clear. <laughs> I thought from my reading of two- NYT articles that I would be fully equipped to break this down. My understanding of this case, though, is that it is such a narrow decision that it actually upset several of the conservative judges. <laughs> two, two of the judges wrote a whole thing about, about like one guy wrote a seventy-seven <laughs> yeah. page. Was, a, was it majority? And Gorsuch yeah. were both like. <clears throat> I'm pissed yeah, this wasn't a bigger decision. <laughs> like, why can't we make this a theocracy? <laughs> <laughs> and I think they were upset because it didn't establish, it, it, as a case, it didn't work to establish the sort of precedent that they were hoping to get a case that yeah. would establish. That we we but could Jeff, kill gay people on right. site or whatever they want, yeah. But Jeff, if you could if you could open up for our listeners kind of what that case, what it was about, what it sought to decide and where the justices landed on that. That would be a great starting point, I think. Or, I mean, I could I could sure. do it from memory from a couple of NYT articles. <laughs> I probably would do a good job, but I'll let you, because you're the guest. Like, it's like a love it's thing. A, a push-pull thing. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, the fact that you've read a couple of news articles about it makes you better informed about this decision than probably 90% of the country, 95% of the country, maybe. Um, so don't sell yourself short, Tom. It's, uh, I'll, I'll get, provide a little background. The city of Philadelphia contracts out to various private entities um, a lot of services. And among those is the placement of children with foster care fam or with foster families and the certification of families as uh, acceptable foster families. Uh, the city also includes in its contracts requirements that, you know, you can't discriminate along a number of different lines. Uh, and starting a few years ago, they, they began explicitly including uh, gender orientation or sexual orientation. The gender was already in there, but sexual orientation in that list. And the city was contacted by a reporter to ask who wanted to ask about the fact that Catholic social services was turning away or had a policy that they would turn away LGBTQ couples. The city looked into this. Uh, they asked Catholic Social Services, is this the case? They they also heard that there was one other agency that was engaging in this practice. That other agency agreed to start providing services and certifying same-sex couples. But uh, Catholic Social Services refused. There were a lot of back-and-forth conversations between Catholic Social Services leadership and uh, the Commissioner of Human Services for the city, uh, Commissioner Figueroa, to try and come to an agreement. Commissioner Figueroa was uh, trying to work with them to she, – she made several pleas with them, uh, a couple along the lines of, you know, the um, – the Pope has indicated that Catholic doctrine on this has changed. This isn't 100 years ago. Um, can we come to some sort of agreement here based on the way the Vatican is framing things now? Catholic Social Services has not budged. They ended up filing a suit 
to get a court to direct that the city must renew its contract with Catholic Social Services and argued that um, the city's refusal was based in um, a hostility toward Catholic Social Services for their religious beliefs, that they were that essentially the decision was not religiously neutral because it was targeted at them. Now, I'll note that uh, Commissioner Figueroa is Catholic, the mayor of Philadelphia is Catholic, and, uh, and not that the religion of the person making the decision really matters, but it, it is, you know, a fact that provides a little bit of context here. But also that Philadelphia, throughout all of this, continued to contract with C with Catholic Social Services, CSS, for a bunch of other services related to foster care to the tune of, if I remember right, 17 and a little bit million dollars a year. But in for this one contract, they said they wouldn't renew it because of Catholic Social Services saying they were going to discriminate. They file suit. It works its way up to the Supreme Court. The... Uh, and I'll mention along the way, American Atheists and a number of other organizations filed amicus briefs in support of the city. Can, can you tell me, just um, for the listeners, not for me, I totally know what an amicus brief is, but what's, um, what, what is a, an American brief? What's an am what's what's an amicus brief? Sure. Um, well, I mean, lawyers can't even agree on how to pronounce it. It could be amicus brief or amicus brief. I oh, say that's probably brief, why I didn't recognize it. I was thinking the amicus. Brief. I always okay. mispronounce brief. I pronounce yeah. it brief. And <laughs> they're so, so short, I never bother to read them. Yeah. They're just. <laughs> yeah, you say um, uh, you say amicus. I say amicus. Uh, let's call the whole thing off. Um, <laughs> so, an amicus brief, uh, if, if, very briefly, is when someone or an entity that is not a party to the case uh, writes a brief to a court in to enlighten the court as to an issue related to the case they're considering, but that isn't really addressing the specific merits of that particular case, because that's the job of the people who are involved in the actual litigation. They're going to brief that. The whole point of an amicus is to raise issues that the parties themselves may not be in a position or have an opportunity to raise. For instance, in our in our brief, we raised uh, the issue that if these rather innocuous statements by government officials that Catholic Social Services were pointing to as animus were found by the court to be animus, what they would essentially be doing is creating a judge-made blasphemy law that applies only to government officials. Government officials would not would essentially be discouraged from speaking on topics relating to religion unless what they were saying was just fawning praise for the religious position. Because Commissioner Figueroa was not being hostile. She was trying to talk to Catholic services, Catholic social services within the framework of their belief system, um, you know, and the shared frame of reference that they have. She was trying to speak their language to them. And that is not evidence of hostility in any way, shape or form. Atheists should be so lucky as to encounter government officials willing to speak their language. Clearly that Figueroa cared more about the children than Catholic social services did. Right. Right. Yep. I mean, because if you're willing to, if you're willing to let a child not go into a home because you don't, you think that that uh, that they're that some archaic bullshit of a perfectly qualified family, then mm -hmm. you don't actually care about those those children as much as you care about your own weird, fucking, two thousand year old book. Yeah, you would think actually that that would be 
a compelling reason to say like, we don't want to work with you because you don't have children's best yeah, interests at heart. Right, yeah. Like this has nothing to do with parents' rights. Like if you just say, let's take parents out of this yeah. and keep and, and focus on what we should be doing, which is providing services for the vulnerable, which is kids. Yeah. It's not about yeah. giving a parent a child. It's about finding a home for a vulnerable part right. of our population. Right. yeah. So like if you focus on it that way, yeah. That seems like fucking self-evident. <laughs> Not yes. the two Supreme Court justices. That's all, Not all to, Supreme all, Court justices. Yeah, justice. right. Yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to interject that because I it's one of those it's one of those things that like I realize that that a lot of this is very technical but the ethics behind it are pretty fucking appalling. Yeah, right? and they're very straightforward. I mean, they're really too. straightforward and they're pretty fucking appalling. Right. And you're exactly right that with regard, you know, when it comes to placing children in foster care, the primary concern has to be whatever is in the best interest of the child. That is what should be the primary concern. The fear with this case um, that a lot of us had and still have is that uh, essentially Catholic Social Services is would be allowed to overlay its own religious interests above what is in the best interest of the children. Because if you're just right. looking at what's in the best best interests of the children, it is to certify as many families as possible that are qualified to serve as foster parents. Right. Right. And Catholic Social Services was turning people away. Now, just you know, self-evidently evil. <laughs> and, and that means that the children that would that are that are within um, you know Catholic Social Services list of children to be assigned have a have a limited number of uh, have necessarily right. have a more limited number of families to I know with. the courts were not like deciding this on these merits but like just just knowing a few basic facts about like you know every day that kids kids do not do well in foster like in in state care right so the sooner you get them out of state care and into loving supportive family structures, the better their results are as human beings. They turn every day you delay that is an injustice to those kids. So even if they said like, well, we're, we're going to get them a new home, but it's going to take us an extra six months. That's six months of a young person's developing yeah, life. Sure. Like six months to me at 43, 43 is the same as 44, but 10 isn't the same as 11. No, no. And it matters differently when you're younger, Every, you know? So like delays should yeah. have significantly yeah. more importance. If somebody said, Tom, you got to wait a year to get this important thing. I'd be like, I got fucking every day's the same. I live in fucking the Truman show. What do I care? Yeah. But like when you're like, there's a huge difference between a fifth grader absolutely, and a sixth grader. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I just can't, I just, I just can't help but see this religious moral institution is inherently evil. If they evil. Do this, if they do, that. I can't. I, I just can't see it any other way. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, from from my perspective, it is challenging uh, to see it any other way. Their their interest does not seem to be with the children, right? Um, right. Not in any evidence based sense. They may, you know, their sure, theology right, yeah. may say one thing, yeah. but uh, I don't care. So what the Supreme Court then did is. Uh, kick down the road the can that the uh, religious right was hoping that they would open um, in as much as the Supreme Court did not blanket allow uh, religious entities to overlay their own interests over you know, children in foster care um, or do away with uh, Employment Division v. Smith, an opinion that uh, Justice Scalia wrote back in 1990 or 91. 
in which he laid down the current framework for free exercise law, which is that if there is a state law policy act that is generally applicable and neutral toward religion, then the fact that it happens to incidentally impact someone's exercise of their religious beliefs is not a constitutional violation. You know, that that Scalia decision, there, there were there were two justices that were, they, they felt that was wrongly decided. Two conservative justices said that was a wrongly decided decision by Scalia, yes. from what I read. They were upset because they felt like... One of them couldn't have been Amy Coney Barrett, though, right? <laughs> I don't remember who it they were. It couldn't have been. There's no way. She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like her fucking apprentice. Right. She's like, yeah, like he was the Sith second. Lord yeah. and right. she is the apprentice. Yeah. Like she is now... When he died, Darth she actually had to take Barrett his head off. Or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. She, had to <laughs> yeah she had to kill him. She had to throw him down his yeah, shaft. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who the, who the two were, but I, I know that they said that they... I, the article I read, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but... They, they were incensed. They thought the Scalia decision was wrongly decided and that they wanted an opportunity to I think overturn it, was, it. I think it was Alito and Gorsuch were the two that were the, okay. the real Alito, dissent. Uh, yeah. So Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch um, wrote a concurring opinion. Barrett and Kavanaugh also wrote a concur or Barrett wrote a concurring opinion that Kavanaugh joined. Um, Alito, Thomas, Alito wrote an opinion that Thomas and Gorsuch joined. And I then, see. Um, Gorsuch wrote an, a, a concurring opinion that Alito and Thomas joined. It was <laughs> all sorts of fun. Let's agree. Let's all agree in different documents about how we agree, but we're mad anyway because we couldn't agree in different, more stringent, angry can't ways. Hunt gay people for sport. What the fuck? <laughs> Ridiculous, uh, so, stupid country. <laughs> why did they decide the case so narrowly? So they decided the case a little bit on a technicality, citing the exceptions issue that you discussed earlier. Why do you think they didn't pursue the larger issue to set a new precedent and overturn the Scalia decision? I hesitate to speculate as to the intentions of individual justices um, because it's very hard to tell. Um, opinions are very often written in such a way as to gain as many votes as possible. Um, and and there's some indication that here, you know, Roberts wrote an opinion that that the uh, – the remaining liberals in the court could, you know, grit their teeth and sign on to um, and cobble together a majority. Whether that is actually what happened, I don't know. There are theories that Alito's 77-page opinion was going to be the majority opinion until Roberts pulled some strategic moves. But who knows? Uh, really, only the justices and their clerks could answer that question. But nevertheless, what the, what the majority of the court, what the whole court ended up saying is that in this particular case, the city of Philadelphia has to renew and begin contracting again with Catholic Social Services. And, and they did that on the basis of the fact that the contract with the city of Philadelphia had this provision in it that said that the commissioner of human services, Commissioner Figueroa, had sole discretion to waive the non-discrimination requirement. And because she had that discretion, it was not a, it was not something an, a governmental act that is generally applicable. And therefore, because it was not generally applicable, it doesn't fall within the rubric that Smith says is fine. If it's generally applicable yeah, I got that. Right. and it's religiously neutral, I understand that you know, Tom. I'm just trying to inform your listeners. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know if you know this yet, but Tom read two whole articles. I read two. He did. did I mention there were two. And and I should not. Uh, I should not 
and, and do not in any way disparage that. I wish people, <laughs> I wish everybody read two articles on every Supreme Court Jeff. decision that came out. Um, I think we'd be in a better place, particularly if they were New York Times articles and not, I don't know, Daily Caller or something. Um, <laughs> now, the Epoch Times had a lot yeah. of different things. Different to say. <laughs> sure. yeah. I have no doubt they did. I was I was joking the other day that I I have been cited by name in stories in Breitbart, Fox News, and The Blaze, Glenn Beck's website, yeah. um, and that and that if I if I get quoted by name in the Daily Caller, I will have achieved oh. the secular litigator's oh. equivalent of the EGOT. Oh, um, that's amazing. Nice. So so the court decided uh, that because it had this this little carve out that allowed Commissioner Figueroa sole discretion to waive uh, the non-discrimination requirements, something she never, in fact, exercised, that it was not uh, generally applicable and therefore it had to be subjected to strict scrutiny, which, like I said, is when a law is narrowly tailored to achieve a compelling government interest. Uh, Now, the way that you normally determine that is you look at whatever interest the government is trying to serve with its policy here, place children in homes that are, you know, qualified to take them in and determine whether or not the policy is narrowly tailored to achieve that goal. And I would argue that preventing certification agencies from discriminating on, you know, these sort of immutable characteristics that have nothing to do with how qualified you are to raise a child is a way is a narrowly tailored way to achieve that government interest. But and and that's how strict scrutiny is generally applied. What the court did here and 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 part of what makes this not narrow or as narrow as some would say is that they didn't look at okay what is the government's interest in applying this policy? They looked at what is the government's interest and how compelling is that interest in applying this policy specifically to Catholic social services? And they said, well, since there are, you know, something like 35 other agencies in the city that perform this same, um, this same task in certifying parents, then the government's interest in enforcing it against CSS is, is limited. Now, this raises a bunch of troubling questions. What is the government's interest in applying virtually any law to any one particular person? Um, Generally, the interest is in applying these laws very broadly. Can can I ask, isn't Um, that specifically true at the Supreme Court level? I mean, the Supreme Court doesn't typically take on... Am I mistaken about that? I mean, the Supreme Court typically would choose not to take on cases that don't have some broader context, or am I mistaken? I mean, that is true. The Supreme Court picks and chooses which cases it will bring, it will, it will, uh, you know, hear, and tends to take the ones of more significant import. But the same, the same strict scrutiny analysis always applies. Jeff, can I ask you a Supreme Court question in general, real quick? I, I don't yeah. mean, so it, it, does every decision by the Supreme Court? established precedent? The vast majority of Supreme Court cases uh, and decisions that the Supreme Court issues are precedential. They do set precedent. Um, Now, plenty of those cases are simply restating and clarifying what the existing precedent already was. 
But the Supreme Court does at times issue what are called per curiam opinions um, that are generally not precedential and and you don't know the name of the justice who necessarily drafted it. Um, and, and so those do happen. It's, it's part of what is called the shadow docket um, that has become um, more and more of a factor in Supreme Court jurisprudence lately. Interestingly, uh, and this is why that's actually a very topical question, and thank you for asking it. I wasn't expecting you to. Um, genuinely, uh, articles, this, so. this, listeners, this was not planned. Um, uh, it's those two articles I it read. It is. It's those two articles. I it really, is. man, I'm good. You're really, you learned a lot. A, they were long lot. articles. They were. One of the decisions from earlier this year that was on the Supreme Court's shadow docket was uh, a decision called Tandon v. Newsom involving a, a church in California that wanted exemptions from California's uh, COVID, COVID gathering restrictions. And the court in that, in that per curiam opinion, said uh, that because the, said that because some non-religious, you know, secular, uh, this is part of the problem of talking about these subjects, by non-religious and secular, in this context, I don't mean atheist, I mean things having nothing to do with religion in any way, shape, or form. Um, because, say, a bar or a grocery store, not a bar, a liquor store or a grocery store or a laundromat um, was exempt from the gathering policy so that those places could stay open and serve customers. Um, the state could not treat religion differently than those businesses, even though the practicalities of operating and visiting a grocery store or a liquor store are vastly different than the practicalities of operating and visiting a mega church. Um, you still had to treat them exactly the same. This is something that in the legal academic world is called, uh, is called the most favored nation theory that you have to treat religion um, as favorable as the, uh, as the, thing having nothing to do with religion that is given the most leeway. Uh, that's a very roundabout way of putting it. Well, that makes, I, I, I will say like, I have, I have absolutely been to liquor stores and sung praise songs. So yeah. like, I'm a, I may I be the it. exception, I too. Yeah, I but I've, too. I've definitely, yeah. definitely burst out in some praise. I mean, like you see Blanton's on the shelf yeah. for like a regular, not marked up price. And, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> right. And and you might commiserate about it there in the aisle for an hour or more with dozens of people. Right. Yeah. It's definitely um, exactly the same I thing. Mean, to buy it, you have to tithe have. for right. sure. Because yeah. it's expensive. And then we all we all get together and share food yeah. in a weird ritualistic way yeah. at the front of the counter. Yeah. And then you have to pass that around right. with and, the paper and you pass around outside. the cash right. register. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, essentially exactly the same. It's thing. pretty much the same. Thing. I can, I can. It's a, I, I love the idea that um, religion gets a sort of a pride of place, even if it is in no way analogous. Like even if you yeah. cannot even remotely reasonably draw any kind of a a straight line from one thing to the other, says, ah, well, you like this other thing. Uh, it's functionally different in every meaningful way, <laughs> but you like it. And so you have yeah. to like religion the same yeah, amount yeah. most much. And and that is the second thing that makes this decision more broad than a lot of people are saying. Um, first is that they changed how strict scrutiny is applied. So strict scrutiny is going to be met even less than it already was. 
But more importantly, it's now permissive. Essentially, scrutiny. if <laughs> if your if the law that you're trying to enforce has any exemptions, then it's difficult to look at these decisions and say, well, you don't have to give religion the same exemption. And this is what, you know, what we're relying on in one count of our Mississippi complaint, because if, if the government is going to provide these exempt plates to, you know, veterans or people who are deaf, that kind of thing, then they have to treat people with religious exemptions uh, as well uh, as they treat uh, those people that are already exempted. And if it's, uh, you know, if the court's going to go that direction, then the atheist community has to be proactive about uh, taking advantage of it where appropriate. We shouldn't be assholes, but where it makes sense, like in this instance, we shouldn't be afraid of raising free exercise arguments and saying, hey, under this law, we're entitled um, to exactly the same treatment. So, Jeff, does this does this Fulton decision, does it worry you? I mean, outside the scope of its own horrifying ramifications in Philadelphia, is this a decision that that gives you pause or gives you cause for concern? Yes. It it was not the nightmare outcome that um, many on the Christian right wanted and we were most concerned about. And in particular, they thankfully shied away from saying that, you know, talking about something touching on religion in any critical way is grounds to invalidate whatever policies you're trying to put forward. They did not take that step. That's good. But what they have done is make it far more difficult for governments to be able to uh, apply their laws in rational ways um, and also made it much more difficult for frontline government employees, you know, the bureaucracy that makes the government function. Um, it, it really makes it difficult for them to know what uh, I shouldn't even say it makes it difficult for them to know. They will be actively inclined to give exemptions to anyone who raises a religious justification for seeking an exemption, whether it's justified or not. And that's very problematic. So, Jeff, you work for American Atheists. Why don't you tell our audience uh, uh, if they if they want to learn more about them, uh, where they can look? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm litigation counsel for American Atheists, and and if you want to help my efforts, for instance, in in Mississippi, or or any of our efforts uh, to support the atheist community in the in this country, uh, you can visit atheists.org. A t h e i s t s dot o r g. And uh, and think about throwing, throwing us a few bucks, become a member. Maybe down the road you could be, um, uh, you know, uh, you could help us uh, bring a lawsuit to challenge something that's going wrong in in your neck of the woods. Or come visit us at our conventions because the next one is actually going to be in person again. Wow. Nice. Where's so it going to be? At, be Jeff? Nice, Atlanta. Oh wow. Oh. When is it going to be in? Is it going to be in uh, Easter again? Easter weekend. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll definitely have you on again before then to talk about it, Jeff. Thank you so much for your work and uh, and for making sure that uh, that atheists have a voice out there uh, in the legal world. And uh, thanks for your work at American Atheists. We appreciate it, and we hope to talk to you soon. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for having yeah. me on. This is always a blast. Hey, everyone. Ian here. As you can tell by the sound of my incredibly sexy voice. I've just been to adamandeve.com and used code GLORY. 
I may not have mentioned this in previous ads, but when you go to adamandeve.com and use code GLORY, you get 50% off almost any one item and 10 free gifts. That's a gift for you, a gift for them, and a gift you'll both enjoy. Plus, six free spicy movies, all with free shipping, and the special bonus of becoming incredibly sexy. I used code glory, and now I sound like this, and I look like this. I know that's hard to see because this is a podcast, but believe you me, it looks good. It looks damn good. Good? Good. Oh, no. It's wearing off. I have to go back to adamandeve.com and use code glory. I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah. She must be dreaming about Texas outlaws. <laughs> Look out, Sandy. I'm Dirty Dan. I'm gonna catch you and throw you in jail at taxpayer's expense. So this story comes from the New York Times. 153 Texas hospital workers are fired or resign over mandatory vaccine policy. Um, this, this was interesting. This happened uh, just outside of Houston. And I thought... When I first read this, I thought, like, I, I mean, it's Houston. The fucking place stinks anyway. What's the difference? 153 people uh, fired or resigned because they wouldn't take the vaccine. What's interesting, though, Cecil, is if you work at a hospital, you typically have to get vaccinated for lots of other, other shit. Stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, vaccines are required, right, in order for you to do your job because sure. you deal with people who are immune compromised. Think about why you go to the hospital. You go to the hospital because you're having a great day. Yeah. You go to the hospital because you're in some situation which requires significant medical attention. If you're a fucking healthcare worker and you're like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. That's how I feel yeah. about it. Here's how I feel about it. Fuck you. 153 people, I think, represents about a third of their staff. It's a huge number. It's a lot of people. It would be crushing to try to run a business and lose, lose a, third a third of your, of your staff. staff. Yeah. I don't even know how you would function. Yeah. We lost 20-some percent of our staff at the beginning of the pandemic, at my, and it was crushingly difficult. It's, I can't imagine what a difficult. third is. But a third? I, you know, what's, crazy, what's crazy to me is, like just like you said, it's a safety issue. So it being a safety issue, you would never expect that from any other industry where, no. there's, where they, they blatantly fail on a safety issue, especially for their customers, to right? To safeguard other to people. To safeguard their customers. I mean, right. genuinely, it's for their customers. You know, the other thing too is that you know, there's all kinds of different required equipment that you need for all kinds of different jobs. Like if you're going to be a welder, you got to have one of those masks that you can't see out of unless you weld, right? You right. You got to have one of those Have you ever things. used one of those, by I the have. way? yeah, yeah. Man, I used one once. My buddy Jacob showed me how to weld one day. Yeah. And like, I go to put that thing down and the world just goes, it goes black. Blank. Yeah, it goes it blank. It goes black. And then you have to like, you have to like, I think you have to like start it and then do a thing. Yeah, you have or, to yeah. start the welder before you can see what you're welding. Yeah. That's a that's the trust in my really own is. proprioception really is. I don't have. <laughs> really is. I'm like 100% sure I'm going to weld my hand to something. <laughs> like, I just live on this piece of metal now. Yeah, no, it's fine. I didn't need that whole arm anyway. Right. Yeah. And most welder, isn't that electricity? Yeah, it's like this okay. crazy like oh, electric yeah, arc terrible. welding shit. Yeah, Fuck that not forever. Only, yeah, you fucking die while you're... No, thanks. Pass. Nope, hard nope, pass. Nope. Um, But yeah, there's all kinds of safety equipment you need. You need a hard hat to be on certain places. You need to, you know, you need to pass certain tests in order to drive a truck or drive a forklift or, you know, there's all these requirements yeah. for work. Right. 
This is just one of those things. It's like you got into this job, right? It's not like you get into a truck <clears throat> one day as a truck driver and you say, well, I don't want to take any of these tests. Well, then you can't be a truck driver. Go right. do something else. Nobody has any fucking yes. sympathy for you the moment you say that. We shouldn't be thinking about these people at all, except for the, the fact that they, they fuck this area medically because they're going to have a real hard time getting medical care because all these people are gone from the hospital. But genuinely, we shouldn't care at all that these people lost their jobs. It should not, because you were in the wrong profession to begin with. You didn't want to play by the rules. Also, like, if anything, I was thinking about this, it, it should give our educational system for these medical professionals a bit of a pause, right? Right. Because you've done a bad job. Bad fucking job, You man. did a bad, whoever educated this 153 fucking people, they don't know what vaccines are or how they work. Yeah. You did a bad job. Whoever is churning out these nurses and CNAs and medical assistants and whatever these jobs are, you did a bad job. Could even you be doctors. Doctors, whatever. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Whatever role these people serve, if they are in the medical community and they don't understand the basics of vaccines and, and they safety, just, yeah, they should. They should. They were that, educated yeah. poorly. They should have never got a diploma. Right. They should have never got a diploma if you don't understand this stuff. But there's so many different people in the medical industry that that come in and then they have these weird conspiratorial dumb yes. things that they think and then they never get corrected. There should be a moment when you come into a doctor's office as a nurse and the doctor, or if you come into the doctor's office as a new doctor, that people sit you down and say, we believe in this doctor's office that these things are true. Right. If you don't think those things are true, there's a there's fucking the door. door, man. Yeah. But like, like, I don't know how it got this far. And I, and I recognize too, like, like there are, they're seeing a, a, another increase in vaccine numbers. I don't know if you saw this, but they're seeing another increase. There's a slow, another, I saw it today. No, that's great news. There's another increase in them. And they suspect it's the people who wanted to see if it was gonna like turn people Work into out. fucking eye and newt or whatever. Right, you right. know what I mean? Like they were gonna just melt or scream or die or, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. They were worried. Become the fucking RoboCop yeah. toxic sludge exactly. guy. They were super right. worried to turn into Mitch McConnell. Same thing, I guess. <laughs> What's but, it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But uh, but genuinely, they thought they, and you know, like, like sometimes it's hard to, Blame people like that, right? That are a, a, a overabundance of caution. For a lay person, absolutely. Yeah. And so I get it. But at a certain point, we are at this point, six months past, people have been getting these vaccines. For the, a large majority of people right. have been getting them for six months plus. Now you have to look at it and say, okay, there's six months in the in the bag. Plus there's another whole six months of trials that people have done. Yep. And we're not seeing any major malfunctions. Yep. So- you should just get it. You should just get it. And then I think people are seeing that now and starting to, so even if some of these people were holdouts, even if I'll even grant sure, you, right. even if you I were some you. of your people were hold, holdouts and you're still not getting it, get fucked. Get the fuck out of here. Get yeah. the fuck out Unless of here. Unless you have an immunocompromised and then I don't know that being a doctor is probably the then best. That's the thing. Yeah. Maybe that's not right for you. Yeah. Like ask your doctor if being a doctor is right for you. Like maybe you yeah. shouldn't be in a hospital. Yeah. Maybe you should be a dermatologist. Seriously. Maybe you should be in a different setting. I'm it's, not saying being a doctor isn't right for you, but like, I don't know. What I don't understand is, is why people feel like they want to enter the medical world and, and take care of people who are at a desperate low point in their life, a point where they may be compromised or they may be sick, yeah. where they are in desperate need of your fucking help. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't really understand how this shit works. Yeah. And because of that, I have fear. 
I'll tell you what, if you understand how this fucking shit works, you're not afraid of it. Yeah, right. right. Ask anybody who's fucking vaccine hesitant. Describe to me how these vaccines work. Tell me what RNA, mRNA is. Yeah. Just give me, give me three. We talked about this before. Give me three sentences about what a fucking mRNA is. Yeah. And tell me you're also somebody who's afraid of these sure. vaccines. You can't do can't it. Do it. Can't it's do it. always uneducated people. It's always people who fucking watched a YouTube video once yeah. or read some fucking yeah. gibbledy flarg on I, Facebook. I feel it in my gut. It's yeah. like, well, your right. gut shouldn't be making decisions. Get the fuck out of here with your gut. Yeah. Your gut should not be making decisions. You have a greater responsibility than your gut. Yeah. You're in a you're in a role of responsibility, and that's the other and thing not too. by accident. And it's not and it's not just doctors who are in a role of responsibility. The the American public is in a role of responsibility yes. too. We're in a role of responsibility to care for our fellow person. And if I go out into the world and I'm unvaccinated and I cough on some immunocompromised person who could not get the vaccine, even if they have a mask on, the mask isn't there to protect them. The mask doesn't protect them as well. I should be wearing a mask if I'm unvaccinated. But we know that that's not the case. We know there's right. plenty of people out there plenty. that are going to pretend that they're wearing a mask and they're or wear or that are vaccinated that aren't vaccinated. And they're going to go out and say, "What? Well, I was vaccinated. I cannot wear a mask, and I'm a douchebag, whatever." Right. And so they're going to go out and not wear the mask. The mask is going to be on the person from. Uh, who's immunocompromised right. and that will protect them a little, but it won't protect them nearly, nearly as, much as much as, as both as and both. both or if the other person was wearing the mask. And so they might get it. And you're an asshole. If you do that to somebody, you're an awful person. You hurt somebody because you're selfish and stupid and pigheaded. And the thing is like, these people always preach this doctrine of self-sufficiency, but you live in a society. You live in a society. You reap the benefits every day of other people looking out for you. You didn't teleport here. You drove here on the road, right. asshole. You know like, what? We like, all built that. Your fucking kids probably go to a public school. Yeah. If you fucking need something, if the you know what? Like just the other day in our fucking hometown, the tire the tornado sirens went off, right? Who paid for that? Yeah. It wasn't private tornado sirens. Yeah. They gave people fucking between three and nine minutes of warning. And an F3 tornado ripped through DuPage County. Yeah. Right? Damaged the whole. Well, people were able to get in their basement. Why? Because we live in a society. Yeah. That's why. Because we all agreed that, like, this is good for us, that we all take care of each other, that we all protect each other. And when that tornado fucking hit our local area, what happened? Well, police showed up and fire showed up and ambulance showed up and people started cutting trees yeah. back and then utilities show up. Yeah. Like, all of those things that are a society, the self-sufficiency shit, that's a myth. Those, those You're not self-sufficient. Get the fuck out of here. Unless you're living in the woods naked and afraid. Well, the fucking, the fucking buildings that got crushed that are going to get rebuilt aren't going to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. bootstraps yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen. Get the fuck out of yeah. here with your nonsense about self-sufficiency. Yeah. I take care of myself and my family. Do you by yourself? Really there? Yeah. Really? Really, fucking Davy Crockett? Is yeah, that what you fucking, fucking do? True. Where's your log cabin, it's bitch? It's 100% not true. None of and it's it, true. And the problem is, is that they're they're piggybacking off of society. They're piggybacking off of other people that are vaccinated. Yes. The reason why the numbers are down in the places where they're down is because of vaccinations. Right. And when you look at the numbers and where they're trending up, it's in places where there's fewer vaccinations. Dude, I was just reading that in Alabama, the vaccination numbers are like shockingly low. And the fucking COVID case is up 74%. Yeah. Here in Illinois, vaccine is, is, is doing very well. It's over 60% of the available public has the vaccine. And our cases are absolutely plummeting. They're plummeting. In Alabama, they're up, they're up. 74%. I, all the places where the vaccine was not taken. It's all it's all the same thing. It's it's, yeah. it's they're 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 shooting up through the through the roof. And it's the same thing that you had said. We had we had talked about this before the 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 uh the CDC released their rules. 
We knew people were going to lie about it. Absolutely. We knew people yep. were going were gonna to say they were vaccinated and go into spaces. And you basically pulled the teeth away from all these companies that had the opportunity to, to, make, to make a big stink of it. I remember Costco, so many videos during yeah. the pandemic of people walking into Costco while on mask and Costco's a members only club. Sorry, can't Get shop anywhere without masks. Sorry. But the moment the CDC pulled the rules, Costco changed their rules yep. too. They got nothing to stand they on. They can't stand on anything because the CDC says, well, if I'm vaccinated, I should be able to go out. And so in places where there was enough vaccine, that didn't matter. It right. literally didn't matter. But you are going to see, and it will continue to happen until those places start getting more and more people vaccinated. But even people with the vaccine can still get it. They just don't get it. They just get a mild case of it. Right. It's the cold now. You've turned this de this disease that kills like 3% of the population into a fucking cold. And the thing is like, I've been watching these numbers. I watch them every single day. I wake up and one of the first things I look at is the New York Times. I look at the numbers and they are stalling out at about 12,000 new cases a day. And they're stalling out at about 350 or 400 deaths a day. And that's an unacceptable number sure. of deaths. That's 100,000 dead people. Yeah. That's that's one and a half times the worst uh, flu season that we've had in forever, yeah. right? In, in 100 years. And 12 to 15,000 cases were kind of stalling out there. Yeah. And I think it's because of what you just said. There are areas where it's like, yeah, is California fine? Yeah. Is Illinois fine? Fuck yeah. New York? Yeah, rock on. Alabama? Fuck you. A lot of rural communities? Fuck you. Who's going to pay the price for that? Yeah. And like these goddamn medical people should know better. If anybody should be setting the example, yeah, it should be if these, anybody yeah. should be running the vanguard, yeah. Yeah. it's people that are in the goddamn medical profession. These assholes who are fired, I have zero sympathy. Gonna, they should be blackballed from their careers they're gonna forever. They're going to write a book though. They're going to write a book about how they were discriminated against and they're going to- Get the fuck yeah, out of go here. do the tour yep. and- Yep. So we'd like to thank our patrons. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Quartermaster, Jacob Thorne, Travis, Charles, Ray, and Kevin. And people who up their pledges, Justin, Bailey, Katrina, Thomas, and Burzmali. But we want to thank our patrons. Of course, you guys uh, make the show happen, and you guys are the ones who write the check every month to the people that we pay who work for us. Absolutely. So thank you. That that money comes out of out of the out of the till that you guys put in. So we wouldn't have employees and we wouldn't have Tom and I wouldn't be able to certainly put out the content that we do and then also be able to sort of put certain things on autopilot like we do. Yes. If we didn't have the employees that we have, the great employees that we have. So we thank you so much for paying their salaries. We can't thank you enough for that. You make the show Process, making process easier for us. We got a message from uh, the nine-fingered lesbian and she just wanted to send us a quick message to let us know that we were sort of helping her through uh, the last year and also through some very bad recent news. So that nine-fingered lesbian, sorry you're going through a tough time. I, yeah. Anything we ever said on a show helps you though. We're always thrilled to find that out. Yeah, just really sorry to hear that you're going through a rough go. I'm glad we can be of service to you. Tom, we've got to talk about this, even if it's just briefly. Oh, Jesus, man. The story that's happening in Canada right now, we wind up skipping it a couple weeks ago because only a couple, like maybe 150 kids or something. And I know I said, well, the way I said that sounds horrible, but genuinely, that's a small yeah. amount when it comes to the horrors of the Catholic Church. Instead, this is now 
up to over 600 children in Saskatchewan and 215 children in British Columbia have been found in just dead. Yeah, it, it, it is a horror. I've been doing a little bit of reading on this, and I the the, the system um, where Canada's took by force indigenous peoples away from their homes and then put them in these residential schools. And for years and years and years, these people were telling everybody that would listen, hey, we went. these people went to these schools, they didn't come back alive. They were raped, they were abused, and they died. And those claims were dismissed. They're and dismissed. now they're finding mass graves. 751 15. children have found in one, in one, one mass, mass grave. grave. And the other one was 215. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, and yeah. that's, that's sounds like the tip of the iceberg. Um, the indigenous peoples have asked the Catholic Church for an apology, and the Catholic Church has been silent. Of course, they're they always silent. absolutely silent. It's literally crickets, man. Yep. It's I, I'm surprised the Pope isn't Jiminy Cricket. Right? They, like, they it's are, just they ran these schools. Man. They, they did, man. It's it's a hundred percent on them. It's a hundred percent on them. They fucking they they should own this, just like any fucking thing that that you do horribly that you fuck up, you should own. Just own it. You should own. And the thing is, is like, if these people fucking don't, like they're dead, they, they, they're, 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 the, the priests are dead or whatever, own it. Just Instead, own it. That is just, if silence is worse than nothing. It is so much worse. And it, it, what, I mean, silence is nothing, but. Like, yeah, silence, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that doesn't yeah. make any sense, but silence is, silence is horrible. It silence is. is, is a bad thing. Like yeah. silence, silence is an insult. And, and, you know what 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 makes me kind of crazy is so often just an acknowledgement and an apology does matter. It does make it does. a difference. It does make a difference. And the refusal to do that is callous. It's so but it's so fucking on brand. It is perfectly it's on brand. Fucking on brand, yep. man. It's a hundred percent on brand. It's every single fucking scandal yep. is always a horror and they're always either silent or they're willing to get it out of court so they could pay the money and just yeah. forget about it. Because an apology is complicit. Yep. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, yeah. we got a image, and so this funny. is this is from Monique, and they sent us an image of a cat, and I'm gonna post it on this week's show notes. It is a reference though to a very funny story that Tom told us on Citation Needed a couple months ago. I think the episode yeah. is called Blackest Black. The blackest Black, and yep. so check it out on Citation Needed. It's a very funny episode. And it's uh, it's one of those amazing internet stories that just it just it it will make you smile. At it's the end it. It's really great. Yeah. It's really great. So petty. Yeah, it's the pettiest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> but it's kind of amazing. We got a bunch of messages. Vice Rindo sends a message in to talk about their healthcare in Canada, but then also uh, a lot of a lot of wishes, Tom, for Haley's health. Yeah, and I just I just we can't go through them all. We got a lot of messages. And I know a lot of fo- a lot of you folks sent messages with with your own personal stories. I read them all. They are touching. And you know, I do want to just say to everybody that's been struggling, I'm sorry. And and the struggles are are real and they are legitimate and unfortunately, they're not going anywhere yeah. because we haven't fixed the system that we're in. Yeah. And we are all going to just fucking slog through this shit system until we get the courage to change it. Yeah. And I don't know what is going to be the tipping point. I know what the tipping point for for me. I've always felt like it needed to be changed, but I've never felt it as viscerally as I felt that's it right over the now. last seven yeah, right months. Now. Yeah, right um, now. So I'm so sorry to everybody that's going through these medical issues, and I'm sorry you have to go through them in a system so deeply and tragically broken as the one that we have. We got a, a TikTok message sent to us from Jason. 
And it's a TikTok video about Google researchers. We'll so post good. it on this week's show notes. It's very funny. Very, very funny. Tom, minor correction yes. from Curtis. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Curtis. I'm sure this will be the 100th email you get about this today. But the Epic Times is a Chinese-owned media company, not Russian. Thank you. Uh, I was wrong. I yeah. just I mixed that up. Yeah. Forgive me. Uh, made a mistake. Got a message from Matt, number one. And he says, Cecil, thank you for your valiant attempt in attempting to taste the picnic bar. But alas, you forgot your own number one rule. English can fuck up anything. <laughs> the Australians hate the English. They really they, do. They really I do. wonder why. They really do. <laughs> The, uh, I, we're kind of kin when it comes to that. Cause like, right. like we both kind of say, go fuck yourself to England. And so we're kind of yeah, kin right. in some way. So, you know, what you got to do is, uh, we got to eventually get this Australian one, but, um, but we'll get it eventually. I got to see if I can find it. What I don't want is somebody to send it from fucking Australia. Cause not only does it take like six fucking months to get here, but it also costs you like $150 yeah, it's to send a fucking candy bar. It's like outrageous. Yeah. I remember when we were giving away coffee mugs for a while. Like we were doing them internationally for a $75 hot minute. $75. said $75 to yeah. ship a coffee the mug. Worst, it would arrive broken. One time we, someone sent a message in and we, we had to send them a book that we had said we got. Yeah. And it was like a $75 to get the book to them. And they lost, they it. lost it. They lost the and book. They were like, the where's mail. my book? And, and I'm like, like that's gone. Know. Man, that book that ain't was coming a freebie. back. That book ain't coming back, bruh. Uh, we got a message from Bob and Bob says, I used to really like Ian's commercials, but then I became a patron. It means I'm paying for Ian to go fuck himself. <laughs> and if you want Ian to go fuck himself, you can head over to patreon.com. Yeah, and Ian, if you want to go fuck yourself, you can go to adamandeve.com. <laughs> so anyway, so we wanna, we're going to wrap it up for today. We want to thank Jeff Blackwell of American Atheist for Great joining guest. us. Jeff is a very knowledgeable guy and uh, we were happy to fluster him the whole time. <laughs> we were trying to explain <laughs> stuff to us. But Jeff is a great guy uh, and uh, we've had an opportunity to hang out with Jeff uh, like one or two times already. And he's yeah. been a blast to hang out with. So uh, so we'll definitely have him on if the American Atheists take anybody else to court. We love to talk to Jeff. Uh, check out American Atheists uh, at atheist.org. That's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, come join us. We did a, if you missed it this week, if you missed the live stream, oh boy. we did a tiny liquor bottle tasting on the live stream, which was, we bas I basically went to Benny's today and I found a bunch of tiny liquor bottles, the, the travel size ones, and I chose the worst one. And we voted on what the worst one was. So you have to go find out what that is with the video. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's going to be on YouTube. It's on, only on Twitch for like seven or so days and then it gets just deleted. So you can watch it on Twitch for seven days or you can go to YouTube and you can watch it indefinitely. But it's a, we had a lot of fun. Very, very it, tasty. It was disgusting. No? Most of them were pretty, some of them were just inoffensive, but some of them were very, very, None very of them bad. were good. None of them were good, but some of them were inoffensive. And I guess that yeah. that's the best you can, best you can hope the for. Best you can hope for. But go check it out. We had a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun with chat and, uh, and I got to run the stream. Uh, for about half of it. Until we <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you. tried reading while jogging, cooking, or even juggling flaming torches? Yeah, doesn't end well. But with Audiobooks.com, you can conquer books without the circus act. Dive into over 450,000 titles, including more than 10,000 free ones. Get hooked on a bestseller, find your next obsession, or finally read that classic you've been avoiding since high school. And here's the inside scoop. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial and snag your first three audiobooks on the house. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.